As you know, we are focusing on our faculty this week, and today we would like to kind of uh, change format once again and do a couple of things that we hope you will be you will find of great interest. First of all, uh, Professor Crothers is going to come, and uh, we have kind of put together a trivia quiz about our faculty. And what we're going to do is we're going to kind of ask you to participate in this and uh, see really how much you know about uh, the lives of some of our faculty members. So Lynn will be coming to do that. And then when he completes that particular segment, we're going to have a panel discussion. And that will feature, once again, a number of our faculty members. Uh, Professor Russell Barney, the chair of our business department. Professor Ed Gruss. The chair of our history department, uh, Mrs. Susan Oderkirken, chair of our uh, psychology department, Mrs. Ellie Smith, who teaches in our English department, Dr. George Howe, who chairs our science department, and that will be once again uh, mo uh, moderated by Professor John Hughes. So, Lynn, if you will come at this time, we will begin with our faculty quiz. You have to realize that this is standard fare for math lab customers. <laughs> okay, if we could have our contestants take their places uh, right here on the sides of our stage. Come on up, wherever you happen to be. We'd like to welcome you to Focus on the Family. That incredible quiz format that will present to you the high-octane, rugged, live-on-the-ragged-edge lives of the men and women of the master's faculty. We're going to ask that you tie this in with what was presented on Monday, that you use your reasoning skills, that you realize that what we're presenting is trivia to some, but meaningful, meaningful facts and life applications to the faculty members, and perhaps we'll all agonize a little bit in the process. To this end, we have pseudo-randomly selected 12 extinguished students representing the freshman, sophomore, junior, and senior classes who together in mock simulated battle of class struggle here at our college will attempt to present some of the lesser known facts of our faculty. With Professor Fetters at his musical scoreboard, we, we will pit our freshman seniors as home team against those incredible juniors and all-knowing sophomores. Five points will accrue for a correct answer under this procedure. I will read the question. If we could have the first two contestants come on up. I will read the question. If it's a correct response, five points will go up on the scoreboard for the first one to ring the bell. Racing to the dean, if it's correct, it's five points. At the end, I'll read the correct answer, and on the board behind us will be a slide representing that faculty member in some incredible scenes which they've contributed. So here we go. 
Question. Which one of our esteemed faculty members was involved with Farmers of America lettered in track and field in high jump, long jump, and pole vault, and was a cook on Noah's Ark? Mr. Pilkey. Okay, we'll go to the next team and see if they can take their best shot. Russ Hodge. Great, great responses, but the correct answer is Professor Gruss. Professor Gruss. He was a chapter farmer of Farmers of America. He got that title by growing vegetables, went to the state quarterfinals in the pole vault, and later became a cook on Noah's Ark restaurant in Lucadia, California. Thank you, Ben. Let's have our next. Question. Which one of our faculty started his career at the age of three? Yes, that's right. Three years of age on WKRT Radio. Mr. Plu? That is a correct answer. That's right. Professor Plu began singing at age three. Sang through age 17, that's a lot of singing, on the Portland Christian Youth Time. Okay, here we go. Question number three. Question. Which professor on the Master's College campus is currently in his fourth career? Barney. That is a correct answer. Correct answer is Professor Barney. Professor Barney has been Professor Barney has been a pharmacist, a letter carrier, a pilot, administrator, and finally a faculty member here at the college for 14 years. All right, then here we go. It's a dead heat question. One of the intriguing things to come out of the current Iran-Iraq arms trade conflict and disclosures is the fact that one of our teachers has climbed almost every major peak on the west coast between Canada and Mexico. Who is that? Mr. Law. No! Dr. Howe. The correct answer is R.W. Mackey. R.W. has climbed the highest peaks in the western United States. Whitney Chastain Rainier. Pressure's on. Dead heat. Question. Which one of our faculty members was saved through an English-speaking church while as an unbeliever preparing to lead a Bible study in Switzerland? Hello? Dr. Lowe? Good try. Dan Licker. Good answer. The correct answer is... While studying the book of Galatians, Dr. Taylor Jones was confronted with the message of the scripture that trusted God as his Savior. All right. 
Question. And this would probably be our just about our last one. Question. Which one of our faculty members on campus here has a father who's an executive that produces Cocoa Puffs, Tricks, Frankenberries, and Count Choculus? Take a wild guess. Eleanor Kirkham. Mr. Eleanor Kirkham. I'm sorry, that's not correct. Uh, Mr. Hoskins. Mr. Hoskins. Correct answer. Thanks for your participation. Becky White. Father's account for General Mills. Okay, our last one. 40 seconds to go. Come on, guys. Right up here. As the one little known fact, we have a faculty member who on a regular basis was a sports radio announcer for college basketball. His name is... That is correct. Thank you. I hope this serves to show to you that not all faculty are uh, quiz machines that only meet you in your restrained classroom settings. They have quite varied lives. And the Lord is using us to make applications of those particular talents in a wide range of activities. So, Professor, would you come up and take it away? Well, the, the bulk of the chapel today was planned to be a panel discussion uh, with these five faculty members dealing with the benefit or value of being educated. Remember our theme is um, a discussion of being educated or the value of education. And one of our considerations when we chose the panel members was that uh, we get a proper breadth of academic discipline represented. And I think you can see we did that. Uh, we have science, psychology, business, English, and then history departments all represented. And uh, Dr. Stead introduced them a little bit earlier. Let me uh, quickly get right into the questions for our, our discussion. First of all, I'd like each of the panel members to uh, begin by giving us a very brief statement uh, of introduction about how their background in education uh, helps them to appreciate the value of a liberal arts education. Let's start with Dr. Howe. Thank you, Dr. Hughes. I don't know how brief it is, this is, but let me deliver myself. The background events that equipped me to appreciate higher learning really centered at Wheaton College in 1949, when God caused my academic rebirth at age 17. Nine years after I had been spiritually regenerated. My dad slaved 60 hours in defense industry each week, and my grandfather had invested 45 hours per week with the New York Central Railroad for 40 years. Suddenly I saw that I should have been nurturing my collegiate studies like others cared for their full-time jobs. Scholarship leaped from uh, less than five hours per week to over 30. Not having a major yet, I learned that I should study every field as if it were my major. Consequently, I pored over such things as German, apologetics, psych, literature, philosophy, Spanish, and art survey, discovering great pleasure in these broad-based efforts. I share with Dr. Pilkey the fact that there comes somewhat of sorrow in learning, but as with joggers, one, one reaches a point at which there's a student's rapture. Uh, learning becomes great fun. Before Interstate 40 was built, there was Route 66, and an old saying that you should get your kicks on Route 66. 
As a college student, I found that I should have been getting my kicks in the library or reading in a vacant room closet or memorizing lecture notes alone in an empty classroom. Fun with others had to wait for Fridays or late nights in the dorm. God showed me the joy of scholastic solitude and personal application to learning. So if you ask me what elements in my background led to liberal arts appreciation, the greatest of these is my conversion to work as a college freshman. Mrs. Mrs. Odekirken. I began as an English major, and then I was so determined that I knew what I was going to do, I moved my major about three other times. And um, I moved to Christian education eventually, after touching all of them, and graduated in Christian education as a senior, and in my last semester decided I wanted to be a psych major. So I graduated in Christian education, and I moved to psychology. But all of these majors equipped me for what I do now, teaching and counseling. Because at the core of each of my ministries is the need to have a skill in communicating. And I learned to write while I was an English major. I learned to relate to people in a church setting while I was a Christian education major. And then I learned to um, how to discover a little bit more about the inner processes of people when I was a psychology major. And I think that I agree with a recent Gallup poll that said 80% of all people who have graduated from college 10 years later when they're asked what their biggest regret is, is that they didn't study enough and learn enough when they had the opportunity in college. And that is a regret of mine. And so I have the opportunity now to assist you in an academic rebirth. so that you will not bear the same regrets. Mr. Barney. My background has been quite varied. My career in pharmacy was interrupted by World War II. Some of you think it was the Spanish-American War. And as a result of a long career in the Air Force, I was able to visit many countries. Uh, many different cultures, observing, participating, being encouraged thereby, and just interacting generally with people throughout the world. Uh, my background, basically then, is interacting with people. Uh, well, actually, I said my... I went back to college. In fact, the Air Force sent me back to college when I was 40 years of age. So you people that are having trouble now, don't give up hard. You're never too old. Uh, that's when my education really started in seriousness, when I was 40. and continued on until I was 55, thereabouts. But I have observed the many complexities that uh, are introduced by various peoples, various unique peoples created by God as they interact with one another and uh, as, as they play out their role in society. Well, this complexities of culture, the complexities of education and technology, the complexities of individual goals versus organizational goals, these sorts of complexities can only be understood, I think, by somebody who has an awareness of the broad scope of uh, uh, possibilities that confront all civilization, all people. And that lies basically in a liberal arts understanding, trying to understand more and more about the world that is about us. History, music, culture, languages, 
and things of that nature. Okay. I'm Ellie Smith, and yes, I am the Cubs fan. Because as a Christian, I do believe in miracles. From day one, it will happen at Wrigley Field. Because of my father's career, I grew up in a very remote area in the mountains of Appalachia. A very nice place, beautiful place, but totally isolated in many ways from the world. And we had good school. Um, I appreciated my education. I was introduced very early to books, to good books, to reading, which I um, will never cease to be grateful for. But I remember hearing a man one time who was an expert in Appalachian studies say that as Appalachians, we have a tendency to just see from mountaintop to mountaintop, from peak to peak. And we needed to develop an ocean-to-ocean view of the world, a universal view. This challenged me, and I decided I wanted to go to college. And I was the first one in my family, first generation, to go to college. Uh, and I did go to Christian Liberal Arts College. I was very, very young, uh, too young to be there, really. But because of that, I had many interests. I wanted to learn everything, so I majored in four things. but I had a broad scope and range of liberal studies, which has been invaluable. And also, because I was young and college and was out of college before I was 18, and married very young, and I had my children grew up with them. Yes, I played Monopoly. I played G.I. Joe. I still have my Hot Wheels. Because <laughs> I had boys. But the thing that I did that was the most valuable to them in retrospect and also for myself was introducing them to the world of books, the world of reading. I started reading to them when they were babies, and to this day they are good readers. They enjoy reading, and there's never any reason for anyone to be bored or uneducated, really, if you can read, uh, because it's there. All we have to do is discipline ourselves to avail ourselves of it. On Monday, we heard that the liberal arts area was an area that would prepare for life. I graduated from college just about 30 years ago. <laughs> and uh, went on to seminary and further graduate work. And as I look back over the years, uh, as a Christian, uh, as a husband, as a father, as a teacher, as an author, as a generally literate person, I see how valuable this whole area of the liberal arts is. Uh, at home, probably the two books uh, beyond the Bible I consult the most would be uh, various reference works, uh, encyclopedias, and the dictionary. Uh, constant companion. And uh, I, I find that uh, the graduation is just the beginning of uh, that which will be expanded as you go on from uh, that point to this point, there's such a tremendous amount that's added to uh, the base that you build in college or graduate school. And uh, if I have time later to share, I find even dealing with subjects like cults and the occult, which you think to be heavily involved in biblical studies, 
theology in that. Uh, I could uh, give a list of maybe 30 or 40 or more areas I have to get into in order to do a job in that which seems to be very limited. So I value the liberal arts and what I've been able to do with that base in the present time. Okay, you can see that the uh, five people that we've picked have a broad base of education by virtue of experience and their training, and uh, they value it, and that was one of the goals we had for uh, who we had selected to be on this panel. Let me go ahead and we'll, we'll discuss some other questions that focus in more specifically on this issue, and I'm going to skip around a little bit because of our time. Uh, first of all, Mr. Gruss, uh, tell me about your breadth of education. How does that help you minister more effectively in a local church? We're preparing these students with a broad-based education. Will that help them more effectively minister in their church environment or to the Christian community in general? Uh, I teach a Sunday school class, and often the questions that come up are Bible-related, but also they relate to many areas that I happen to be involved in, areas of church history, areas of individuals that have lived in the past and what their involvements have been. And uh, many fields come up. You can't isolate what you're going to uh, talk about as you deal with questions that come up even in a Sunday school situation. So I'd like to add that, uh, as I mentioned before, I write uh, in two areas which are associated in the area of cults and non-cults. And uh, when this whole subject came up that we should uh, reflect on what we draw upon for uh, our work, I just thought of two projects that uh, I've been involved in and this list is incomplete. But here are the areas I have to draw upon to deal with areas of cult and occult subjects. Uh, the Bible, biblical language, both Hebrew and Greek, history of all kinds, contemporary US, European, Chinese, Babylonian, medieval, Greek, Byzantine, African, Latin America, 19th century religious history, religious movements, early church, etc., 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 library science, Medicine and medical history, astronomy, astrology, psychology, dealing with brainwashing and mind control, mathematics, philosophy, sociology, law, archaeology, and then in one area I've recently gone into history of disasters, famine, earthquakes, war, statistics, English literature, photography. This is just connected with two subjects that I published in, and I haven't exhausted the list. And so I say to function in the world today and have an effective ministry often you're going to have to relate to fields that you never could have predicted or dreamed of involved in. And this is specifically what I have been, not just what I think I might eventually have. Okay, thank you. Any of the other panel members, do you want to comment on this, how a broad-based education helps you in your ministry in the local church or the church environment? Well, I think in the local church environment we're constantly coming into contact with uh, people of all levels of life, of society, uh, the varying backgrounds, and the more that we understand about the bigger picture, I think that we can interact with one another more effectively on committee meetings and just going about doing what we are doing. Okay, good. Let me move on to another question quickly. Um, one of the requirements we have for you as students is to take an introductory psychology course. And so I'd like to ask Mrs. Oderkirken, why do you feel it's important for students from other majors to have a basic understanding of psychology? How will it help them after they complete their college experience? Psychology is so controversial 
many people believe that psychology will only help you become a better humanist. And although psychology oftentimes does have a humanistic mindset, I still believe that as a Christian, since we live our life in the context of relationships, that psychology, because it does deal with um, internal processes, it deals with relationships in terms of our attitudes, social influence, uh, group behavior, that <clears throat> it prepares us to understand a little bit more some of the dynamics of the relationships that we have. And it has a lot of offer information to offer about people. And since people are the only ones who have relationships, um, it seems that it has some value. Also, I know that um, broad-based understanding in psychology can help in terms of uh, family life, personal life. I never anticipated when I was taking my introduction to psychology class and hearing about um, child development and um, adolescent development and adulthood and aging that I would be in a living situation 10 years later where I was living with three generations and went home. And I have the opportunity to live with my parents, with my brother as a peer, and with his precious child, Brian. And so three generations are living together, and I can see how the information of just understanding that one area, child development, has taught me to be more sensitive to the, to the person that Ryan is, how to enjoy his childhood, but also how to enjoy my elderly parents. <laughs> And appreciate appreciate the wisdom that they have acquired um, over the years and so I think that that understanding because it is so broad-based and it does deal with people can assist us in our personal life for the rest of our life okay good thank you let me uh, move on to another question and uh, uh, given our time I want to skip down here to uh, one of our last questions one of the things that says in the Westminster Confession is that the chief goal of man is to glorify God. And uh, I'd like to get some of the panel members to respond to how do you feel that uh, study in your particular field helps a person to be more effective in worshiping and glorifying God. And I think I'm going to start with uh, uh, Dr. Howe this time. We're speaking of glorifying God. Dr. Hughes, I'm glad you asked that question because uh, I have uh, come to see in uh, nature that one can glorify God. In fact, I've written some poetry in that regard. Uh, in your little chapel brochure, you will find that scientists spend most about half the time uh, correcting their own mistakes. I'd like you to correct one mistake at the end of that poem. Next to the last line, one should add the words, to stand, it will improve the meter a good deal. I, I don't know how much it will improve the poem. <laughs> Joyce Kilmer wrote a stirring poem about trees, the last lines of which go like this. Poems are made by fools like me, but only God can make a tree. About my own poetry, however, I've written this little verse. I write doggerel in my home because only Joyce Kilmer can write a poem. <laughs> To see that believers uh, can and should walk, worship God in nature, I think we can turn to Psalm 42.1, uh, where it says that as the heart panteth after the water brooks, so panteth my soul after thee, O God. And I would say to anyone who thinks that Solomon was nothing more than a dirty old king, that they should read about the ants in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6, and about the cycles of weather that one finds in Ecclesiastes chapter 1. Okay. Good. Let me, let me direct the same question. 
Let me direct the same question to Mr. Barney. How does an understanding of economics help a person to better glorify and worship God? When we look about us, we see that uh, the world is really made up of societies, clusters of societies, and uh, through which members individually cooperate with one another in ways that will uh, maximize the individual's felt well-being. Now, uh, man has learned that this cooperation will, will and ultimately will help him that is working by himself, he's not going to get so far, but working with somebody else, he can help, we can help each other, let's put it that way. And uh, these members of society, as they struggle, and then life is a constant struggle, have put together various schemes politically in order to enhance their cooperative efforts to maximize their satisfactions and their desires. Now, uh, the scriptures constantly remind us that we're in the world, but we're not of the world. There's something different about us. So we can draw from that conclusion that we, believers at least, are a contra society to the world society. Even amongst these various societies, there is this contra society whose values are different, whose uh, capabilities to reason are based upon something else. A man being a rational animal, making choices, Choosing those things based upon a value system deriving from an understanding of the scriptures, he will be in better position to bring glory to God in the way he goes about trying to satisfy his material needs and wants. Okay, good. Thank you. I wish we had more time. We have many more questions that I'd like to uh, have the panel share with you on, but we're just getting close to the end. I'm going to have Dr. Stead come now and finish up. Thank you, Sean. Once again, I have the thing. Here we go. Here's, here's what I need right here. Uh, once again, I just hope that this kind of gives you a little better understanding of the breadth of our faculty. You know, we are human beings, okay? We do have a varied amount of interest, but our greatest interest that we really have is to be able to give you folks the kind of education that will enable you to be able to go out into a lost world and be able to relate to many different people in many different fields the wonderful message of the Lord Jesus Christ. And I just hope that as you have been able to observe this, this morning, especially this panel, that you will really, in a sense, understand that you have a great privilege today. And that privilege is to get an education. And with that education, use it to glorify the Lord Jesus Christ. So I just trust, once again, this has been valuable for you this morning. I trust that you maybe have a little better understanding of a number of our faculty. And I would really desire that if you maybe, if, if they really interested you in one particular way, that you follow that up. Make a contact with them. Have another session with them so that you can better get to know the ones who you really desire that they might have input in your life. Let's just pray together. Father, thank you.